on this episode of the Magic Business Podcast. I have to make sure that I cue her the right way because she won't appear at the right time or she will come out at the wrong time or she really will get cut in half. Welcome to the Magic Business Podcast, where we share insightful and delightful inner secrets about the business of magic. This is where magic professionals present their real-life experiences and some of their most guarded secrets to help you further your career in the magical arts. I'm your host, Christian Painter, in partnership with the MagicOracle.club, where you can hear all of our magic business podcasts. Wisconsin Dells is a historic town located in the center of Wisconsin. For the last 23 years, Rick and Susan Wilcox have owned a magnificent 500-seat theater catering to the throngs of tourists that visit there every year. Their show is rated as the number one attraction at the Dells by TripAdvisor. They have countless five-star reviews by various rating agencies. Their show features all those wonderfully large illusions with Las Vegas-style lighting and sound. Now, aside from the usual origami, cube zag, and twister, you might also see an appearing helicopter. If you've ever wondered, should I get into illusions? Let's let Rick and Susan help you decide. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, how's it, do- how's it going, Christian? Hi. It's going great. I am so happy to have you guys on. And mainly because there's not a lot of people who have all this experience with these large illusions. Very few people. You know, should I spend that extra money and buy the ATA case that goes with it? (laughs) Absolutely. Unless you have your own theater. (laughs) But Rick, I know that you and Susan also, even though you have a big theater, you you will go out on some of those. um, You'll bring your illusion show sometimes out for big corporate gigs, right? Absolutely. But... If it's going to be an appearing helicopter, we're not going to put that in an ATA case. We're going to put that in a semi. And without, you know, putting that in a semi without a case, it's probably going to get ruined. So we're not taking that anywhere. Okay. So why get an ATA case for it? Okay. And why get, a, why get an ATA case for uh, an appearing Lamborghini? Okay. Uh, you know what I mean? But some of them, absolutely. The ones that we want to for sure take on the road with us, we mm-hmm. will do that. Okay. So, so that was just a fun question because because I, I knew the answer was going to be yes, and I think most people, if they're going to you know bring their illusion, if they're planning on taking their illusion show on the road, which I think is most people, um, right? Yeah, they're going to want they're going to want to put their cube zag or uh, origami. In. They got they got to have even though that that extra ATA case is expensive, right? The other, yes. the other thing to remember when you're uh, ordering your illusion and an ATA case to go with it is how does how does it pack down? And we learned that the hard way that it's really important to know how many screws, how many pieces, how long does it take to pack down and set up? Because a lot of times you don't have the amount of time that you need to uh, set up an illusion. In fact, over the years, we've tried to order cases for our illusions with them already set up or almost all set up except for the legs. And I think most illusionists do that. Now they put it in the, in the case with it all set up so that when they get there, they just roll it out and it's ready to go. Oh, I did. I did not know that. So this whole pack flat play, play big thing. That's just not true. Well, I, you know, if you want to have your illusions all packed flat, you're going to be spending three, four hours just setting them up. And sometimes it'll be like when we traveled with our appearing elevator, we had that all packed down piece by piece, three big cases. I can't remember how many pounds that thing weighed. 
2000. And it took, and it, how long? It probably took us two hours to set that up, one trick. Oh. And it was what? It's a minute and a half, maybe? Right. So. <laughs> okay. And the last thing you want to do is misplace some screws or an important lever or something, I'm going to guess, right? We, we always travel with extra screws and uh, tools, always. Yeah, one time I went to a show in Florida and I forgot my, my drill and my screwdriver. I ended up using their silverware on, this, on the banquet table. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, I like it already. So now tell me the journey, because uh, for the listeners, I have to tell you, your, your theater is magnificent. I mean, if you, whatever your dream is as a, as a kid to be a magician, you guys are living that dream. Um, so you at your theater have wonderful sound, you have wonderful lighting, the full, the, everything you would imagine. But tell me the difference in performing an illusion for corporate and performing illusion, that same illusion in your wonderful theater. Well, we have control over so many things in our own theater. And, you know, when we bring a lighting designer into to light our particular illusion, we could spend, you know, like a, a full day or a half a day uh, just lighting that particular illusion so that it really looks great. Whereas when we're at a corporate show, we may not be using our sound system. So the sound may not be the best. And we have maybe a spotlight or two or or, or maybe just a not wash. maybe just yeah. a really general white wash uh or fluorescent lights you never know what they're gonna have unless you bring your own lighting but we certainly won't be having the moving lights that we have so that's that's a big difference right there okay and so you're gonna have to understand which illusions that you can even get away with i mean have you ever brought an illusion to a corporate and realize we can't even do it because of whatever reasons Yes. Yes, we've actually brought illusions that we've had to leave in the trailer because the stage isn't quite the right size. It'll look too big for the stage or it won't fit in the backstage area or it won't fit just just size. Size-wise, we have some trouble. The other thing, um, yeah, you can't bring an illusion that you need control over the lighting to a corporate event. Wow, okay, so this is already getting complex. now. Susan, you have a different uh, take, I'm sure, on it because you have to get in a lot of these illusions, correct? Correct. So what are the things that you're looking at from your point of view when you and Rick decide on illusions? What are you, what's the feedback you're giving Rick on them? You mean before we even buy an illusion? Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, my perspective is not only a physical situation, uh, depend, you know, my height, my weight, where I'm going to fit, uh, we have had to send an illusion back uh, because my back couldn't take the position for the length of time that it needed to. So that that never went in the show. Um, so I'm looking at those things as we're discussing the purchase of the illusion. The other thing is I I refuse to do anything with fire. So that's been that's been an interesting debate over the years. Um, I or tigers. I did do no. I did do a tiger <laughs> once. illusion once. That was it, though. <laughs> that was probably one and done. We just threw our tiger illusion out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but most important to me is I really think about how the audience is going to see it and what they're going to get out of it. Okay, but because in in sometimes helping some illusions backstage, I see the incredibly cramped positions that you're in. 
And so I'm going to guess, you, you can't have any um, fear of enclosed places, I'm going to guess. No, I don't. Okay. And, and, would, and I would say that you base any, any person who's going to get inside these boxes is, is going to be, have to be comfortable being squished. Is that correct? Absolutely. And the other thing is, there's a couple illusions that I'm more uncomfortable with only because I don't have the control of opening the secret compartment to get out if something goes wrong. I would uh -huh. have to rely on someone. You know, if, some, if an emergency happened on stage and I was stuck in the illusion, um, there are a couple other people besides Rick who would need to know how to get me out. So, yeah, you know, that's, that's come up a couple of times and it just... I try not to think about that when I'm inside of them. The other things that have happened in the past, uh, I remember that she she had a cramp in her leg oh. and she couldn't get out. I mean, she was just having to be in pain for three minutes <laughs> with a oh. cramp. And, and that must be horrible. I can't imagine that. And um, I think when we before we bought the theater, I was practicing origami with Susan and the phone rang. <laughs> And I took the phone call because I never wanted to miss a phone call because I, I knew it was a possible show. And so here I'm on the phone and she can't get out of the origami because we have a special latch to keep it closed so it won't pop open during the performance. Right. So she was stuck. And that's probably how that all started. Oh. She said, I'm, I'm, surpri I'm surprised you're still married. How are you still married? <laughs> well, I, I, I think I bought her a nice purse or something. <laughs> yeah, it's funny now. Yeah, I don't do that anymore. No. So I understand you're, you're, you're going to have to just work with what you have in a corporate gig. Now, in your theater, it's different. So when you're just setting up, so we're just, okay, so the illusion works. You, you know that everything's going to go good. How much time is it going to take to pick the music and the lighting and all the rest of the stuff that you do? Wow. Well, I'll tell you, over the years, um, just the music alone has been real tricky because you have to figure out the kind of feel that you want. Do you want it to be mysterious? Do you want it to be fun? Do you want it to be upbeat? You, you know, do you want it to be, there's so many different moods or different um, yeah. styles. Mm -hmm. So first of all, you have to figure that out. Then you have to kind of try to find something that is similar to what you want. And then you have to find a composer who you think would be capable of doing that kind of music because all composers specialize in different areas. So we've had, I don't know, over the years, five, five or six different composers. Oh. And some of them were real dramatic. Some of them were more, you know, one guy was from Disney and he did more uplifting type music. And uh, so then we have to compose it. And it may be five or six different versions of that until we get it right. Okay, so wait, wait. You've just maybe gone in a whole different direction again. Is Sorry. So, no, it's fantastic. Um, so you have the music actually written for your pieces, right? Yes. So you don't have, um, and I don't know what the right license is for, to, you know, so you can use music in your theater. Right. Correct. We, yes. We compose it. We, we, have, we have a composed, so we can use it, right? And that just saves you all the problems of having to buy these licenses and that? Exactly. By the time you buy the licenses over the years, you could have composed all your own music and uh, had it, owned it. And so we own our music. Oh, wow. Okay. And, that, and so if you ever have to go on TV or anything, you're covered. Yes. Because I've seen a lot of times where illusionists or magicians go in and they find out, oh, we can't use your music because we don't have the rights and yada, yada, yada. But you'll never have that problem. Right. Wow. That I mean, that alone is a that right there is a big lesson that I think most people are not aware of. All right. So let's go to the lighting. Tell me about the lighting. 
Well, we started off, you know, when we bought the theater, we, we hired a, um, a person to put the lighting in and we thought he was going to design the show for right. us. And program all the, the light board. And program the light board. Mm -hmm. So we had a light board and we have all the lights up and we said, okay, well, we need you to make some changes. And they said, no, 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 you don't understand. If you want the lights to do a specific thing at a specific time during your show, you have to hire a lighting designer. Right. Or do it yourself. And we were like. <laughs> Well, who's what's that? You know, <laughs> what do you mean? And he goes, I'm just installing them. You bought them for me. I install them and I'm done. And we're like, whoa. Right. So we were already what, like $6,000 into the lighting project. And now we had to figure out who was going to design the show. And that's, and that was before we had any moving lights. And then several years into it, we had moving lights and then we had to hire uh, somebody to, to program them for each each illusion and that you know that's at least a week of programming every day and now when we have a guy come in you know he's there one week and then he'll come back and, and a couple more weeks and make changes and and do the rest of the show um but yeah that's so that you have to, it's very complicated like i said it's very expensive you could do it yourself but i would rather spend the time working on new illusions rather than designing the show and lighting it and learning a board. Right. But just for perspective, one of those moving lights um, can cost $5,000 and to bring in a lighting designer for a week can be between three and $5,000. Okay. So we better have an idea of what we want before we start spending all this money. Yes. Mm -hmm. okay. Now, and here's another aspect I want to talk about. That is, so now you've got your lighting down, you've got um, your music going, and then the, the practice part. And I'm only going to mention this so that, because I think a lot of people who don't do illusions think, oh yeah, how hard is it? I spin it around and I open the door. You, you know, mm -hmm. how the thing spins or moves and how you're going to hold up even a cloth or there's a lot of small things that really matter. So talk to me about even rehearsing the illusion. Right. You know, and when you say small things, it's all those small things that will break the illusion in the eyes of the audience. So, you know, you let them glimpse, oh, that's just a guy moving a prop. So you're right. All those little things are so important for the audience to stay engaged and believing that this is really magic. Right. And it's really important that you have the illusion down so you don't really have to think about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So you can focus on connecting. entertaining and connecting with the audience, looking at the audience, smiling and showing that you're having a good time. And you are usually having a good time if you know what you're doing. But if you haven't rehearsed it enough and you're a little worried about what am I supposed to do next and you have to think about what latch you have to open or how you have to hold the cloth and if 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 it's if it's turned the right way the audience can see that uneasiness and then that, that and you lose the connection and you lose the audience because it doesn't look like you know what you're doing right <laughs> even after a break it takes us like about three shows um, myself and our backstage um assistant we he was laughing he's like okay well now i finally have it back you know it takes about three shows just to get back into the swing of everything so it feels comfortable um, so we can enjoy it yeah there's so many little things that you can forget and just recently we started recording ourselves and all the little things that we do where do you put your hand to get out of this one and how do you get out and when do you get out 
and what's the cue and how do you know, you know, all the little things, because you can forget all those things. And then if you're not, if you're working together, cause you have to be, she has to know when to get out of the box. And I have to make sure that I cue her the right way because otherwise she won't appear at the right time or she will come out at the wrong time <laughs> or she really will get cut in half or hurt. Um, and well, so this is a funny story. <laughs> Just in, I think it was in September, um, we were doing suspended animation and he puts the cloth over an empty, you know, see-through box. And then when he rips the cloth off, there I am. And it's usually like, you know, seconds. It's a great, it's a great illusion. But um, this particular show, he covered up the box and then he ripped the cloth off mm. and nobody was there because he had forgotten to cue me when the box was covered. Uh. <laughs> and so yeah i have a little switch that i turn on which cues that turns on a light. little light yeah. in right. there so you can see when it's safe well i i must have pushed the switch the wrong way um so i whipped it off and thank goodness she didn't come out because <laughs> uh they so, caught me so i realized she must not have heard or seen or the cue so i re i covered it up and and sure enough uh i Put the switch on this time and she came out and <laughs> nice. i think another time our uh our backstage guy set the prop the wrong way oh, yeah. so when i ripped the cloth off susan was facing the back wall rather than the the audience <laughs> it was a different trick but and yeah. i was like i can't remember what trick that yeah. was but yeah it was it was just like so there's so everybody has to be thinking you can't just be uh not thinking because wow. there's so many things that can go wrong well <laughs> And then that gives us these great stories too, which is fun. And it keeps us on our toes. Mm -hmm. um, and all those are outs. You can't figure all that out in rehearsal. We do as many as we can. Like, okay, if this happens, we'll do this. But it's just, uh, you know. So yeah, sometimes you're forced. Yeah, I, I feel you. Earlier you said, what is the difference between the, doing it in your own theater versus on, on the road? Maybe you said that. Yes. Uh, but just real quick, when we were doing the mini cube, uh, on, on our stage at the theater, we had 40 feet width. So Susan could come out and we could do this choreography. We hire choreographers also as well. Uh -huh. Well, we do this choreography and then she gets into the box. Well, when we went and did a, a show at a casino, we did that same choreography, but guess what? Our width of our stage was 30 feet, not 40 feet. And we thought we had that extra width. And when I went to spin her around and dip her, we went right off the stage oh my onto goodness. the floor. We didn't even know we were flying off of the stage, but we hit the concrete. But we were so relaxed because we had no idea until we hit. Right. That we didn't get hurt. Wow. But that, that's a big difference. <laughs> Holy moly. So here's my next question. Um, so as as most professionals know, if, if we buy, let's say, a $1,000 illusion or a $1,000 trick, I'm going to say, we're probably going to put another $1,000 in it when we because we have to change it a little bit, fix it, make it played up, you know, whatever show we're creating for ourselves, maybe a special table, whatever it is. But we always know there's extra money. But I'm going to, now I'm just going to put it out there. So if I buy a $30,000 illusion, I'm just ready to go, right? No way. <laughs> Not even close. Not even close. So you're saying it's the same as when I buy a $1,000 trick? You're going to have to put a lot of money in it? A lot. Probably not double, like you just mentioned, um, but 
Yes, a lot. Well, it depends on where you get it from too as well. I mean, you could get it from a well-known illusion builder and then it will probably not be quite as much money, but if you buy it from an unknown builder, you may end up burning it in your garden. <laughs> I've heard that story. But wait, let's go back. So even if I buy a really solid illusion from a good builder, so let's just say I bought a $30,000 illusion. Just, I, I know this is hard to put into exact words, but give me a kind of spitball it about how much more money am I going to spend to make that fit my show and, and also take out all the little things that are bothering you. Could be anywhere from another 20% to 40%. Depends on if you have, if you have a welder on, on hand, it's, it's always a good idea if you're an illusion builder to have a good relationship with a welder um, because they're going to have to change some things and it could be really expensive if you have to figure it out yourself. Um, I have a welder that I work with and he's, he's a pretty smart guy too. And he travels, which is great. So almost every illusion that we've touched at, at our show, he's come over and worked with me to make it work. And we've learned over the years that when we get a new illusion now, most of the time we'll give them the dimensions that we want so that it's built specifically for Susan. Mm -hmm. And then we fly out there one or two times to make sure before they deliver it. Okay, that's extra sure. money right there. Oh yeah, but it's so necessary. I mean, it, it, it's, it'll cost you way more money to get the illusion and then have to ship it back. And then you may have to do that two or three times. Why not go there when it's almost complete, get in it and figure out some things that need to be changed before you have it delivered and uh, you'll save so much money just in shipping alone. I mean, you're $750 just to ship the illusion. Okay. And now, and, and I want to, because we're, gosh, we're already running out of time and I feel like we have so much to talk about, but um, let's talk, you talked briefly about this and I just want to show this is another thing you have to consider is some illusions are going to take more than just you and your wife, right? Yep. And so tell me about, because you've told me the difference between making the motorcycle appear and making the helicopter appear. So talk about that for a moment. Okay, well, the helicopter, we've got it down. It's normally four people, but uh, we got it down to three. Uh, and one time we had an assistant that helped out backstage uh, quit unexpectedly. And we were like, now what are we going to do? So Mike Michaels has an illusion where you can make a helicopter, I'm sorry, motorcycle. a motorcycle appear. And we figured out how we can do that with just two of us. And it's a great trick. It really is. And it's just as good as the helicopter. So that is in the wings of the stage, ready to go anytime. So we don't have to rely on our backstage guide. If he wants to quit, fine. We can still do our show. Not a big deal. Same with our dancing handkerchief. That takes three people as well. And if he's not able to help out with that, we go into the floating ball, which my wife and I can do. And uh, she can get it set up in like 20, 30 seconds. And we always have that ready to go. And that's an awesome, awesome trick. Yeah, the important thing is that the audience doesn't feel like they lose any experience. So right. we always have a backup ready to go. Right. So I think another thing we have to cue in on, and the reason I brought this question was, Running an illusion show probably means you're going to have to, whether you're traveling or have your own theater, you're probably going to have to have another one or two people to hire to help you, correct? I would think that would be smart, yes. Okay. 
Yeah, that would be a good idea. Um, although right now, I mean, we used to have, I think, three people backstage. Mm -hmm. Now we have just Susan and one other person mm -hmm. most of the time. So we've tried to tried to make our show as lean as possible and trim down so that it looks big from it's like what what do they say uh you know you can travel in a suitcase and play big that we've you kind of some... yeah we've kind of done that with the the illusion show also well i will tell you i've seen your show and it played mass i was absolutely stunned with how uh, big that played it was fantastic thank you oh, yeah thanks wow okay there is a lot we are learning about a, a, an illusion show that I think most people had. I mean, I'm certainly learning some things, and, and I thought I knew a lot. Um, so here's a big question. Are you ready? For the people who come up to you, and I'm sure you've had many who say, oh, Rick, Susan, I want to do an illusion show like you guys. What's the one question that they never ask you, but they should be asking you? Well, I, I think before they decide they want to be an illusionist, I think it would be a really good idea to if if they have some uh, if they're asking an illusionist they should travel with that person to a show to a corporate show or if they're if they're in their theater they should see if they could help out backstage to find out what's really involved because there's way more work that goes into an illusion show that you may not necessarily enjoy in order to enjoy the 30 60 minute show uh that everybody enjoys doing the illusions that's the fun part the show but setting it all up getting it there packing it all down getting home late and uh your body is is not in the best shape after that <laughs> you may change your mind <laughs> so that's what they should be asking themselves is what don't i know what do i need to know exactly. about moving illusions and repairing illusions well, guys, we have run out of time. Thank you so much for being on the show. You Thanks. bet. Thanks for having us. We have us. a lot more to say, so we'll do this again sometime and talk about some other things. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to our Magic Business Podcast. Please visit the magicoracle.club where you can hear all of our Magic Business Podcasts and enjoy a vast array of additional magical knowledge. I'd like to leave you with this interesting quote from Arnold Palmer. It's a funny thing. The more I practice, the luckier I get. As always, we at The Magic Oracle wish you continued success on your path in the magical arts.